Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. And what a beautiful morning it is. I, it's kind of nice. I, you know, you don't notice until you see the sun come out. It hasn't been that sunny lately. And what a beautiful morning it is. And I have been enjoying the, uh, the, um, the rain, but it's kind of nice to have a nice, bright, sunny day here, too. So uh, it's a beautiful day. You're looking beautiful. It doesn't get any better than that. At this time, as we come together for our worship, our sunshine singers are going to lift up our, our joy and our faith as they lead us. Thank you, Karita, and thank you, Sunshine Singers, and hand in your weapons. <laughs> thank you so much. Let's stand as we join together in our
hymn of celebration number 102, Now Thank We All Our God.
precious child we say together we give you thanks O Lord may we continue with a heart and a desire to pray and to praise as we lift our voices with hymn 463 Lord speak to me verses 1 4 and 5 praise as we lift up our voice in song, our hearts in worship before you to be in your presence this day. 
For this we give you thanks and praise. Glorious God, as we lift up our voices, we share our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears together. But you know those things that weigh upon our hearts that we don't always share. And we know that on this day and in your presence, we can bring them before you with smile and laughter and with tears and mourning. So as we come to you today, may we take but a moment of silence and in the stillness of this day, experience your presence, offer you our prayers, listen for your voice and your presence. Gracious God, we come now in silence. Merciful and loving God, we give you thanks and praise that we might be together as community, be together as a family in faith, ever in your presence. We come with joy for a week that was, be it stressful, be it long, tiring, not very exciting, whatever this past week might have been but to know that we can come into your presence to be refreshed and renewed in our faith, to be restored with the strength to take one step at a time, trusting that you are our firm foundation, that we might not all know all the answers or know every way to, to walk by faith, but nonetheless that you call us ever onward, to trust in you, to turn to you in all times. So gracious God, as we come and lift our voices in prayer, may we remember that our lives might be lived in prayer, to continue to seek your presence, to seek your grace and your mercy, that in so doing our hearts and our lives would be transformed, that we too would share your voice, your words, your love in action. Gracious God, we thank you for your transforming power that comes through prayer and through your spirit. So as we offer our prayers and as we offer a desire to be transformed, may we lift up our voices too with those around this world this day who offer the prayer that your son, Jesus the Christ, taught, that together we too might pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. Forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
May the ushers come forward as we receive our morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings. to you our gifts, tithes, and offerings. May you continue to use these for the ministry of your church, not only in this community, but throughout this world. And we give you thanks as we offer these before your altar. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs>
listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from Psalms chapter 14, 1 through 7. Fools say in their heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on humankind to see if there are any who are wise, who seek after God. They have all gone astray. They are all alike perverse. There is no one who does good. No, not one. Have they no knowledge, all the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? There they shall be in great terror, for God is with the company of the righteous. You would confound the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that deliverance for Israel would come from Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, Jacob will rejoice, Israel will be glad. And from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17, 19, and 25, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent, eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Jesus might be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. But God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for the reading of this, your holy word, and pray now the blessing of your spirit upon it. And as words that have now been heard, read on page with paper and ink, might we by that spirit find these living words that find a way into our hearts as good seed, that finds its way to good soil, digs deep roots and brings forth harvest, that this now the seed of the word of God will dig deeply into the soil of our souls and bring to us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God and in whose name we pray. Amen. This morning I want to speak about rumors. You know, rumors are a funny thing. They sound true. They have the appearance of truth. And sometimes even if by accident, they really are true. But by and large, rumors have a lot to be desired. And it's interesting to see that many of our old folklore sayings and proverbs of life have that same problem as rumors. They seem like they should be true, and we're always quoting them as if they're true. But though they have the appearance of truth, a little scientific inquiry into them shows their weak points. For instance, everyone knows here that you shouldn't stand in a draft with damp hair or you're going to catch a cold. Now, we know that colds are not caused by cold heads, but by cold germs. 
and you might get awfully cold out there, but no matter how cold it is, you are not going to catch a cold, no matter how long you stand in a draft, unless you have the cold germ. Now, I know that at least half of you do not believe me when I tell you this. You were raised by your mother or your grandmother who said, you go out with damp hair, you're going to get a cold. I know it. I know it. And no matter how much empirical evidence I can give you, the next time it's cold outside, you're going to tell someone, don't go out there with damp hair or you're going to catch a cold. It just shows how powerful rumors are can be in our lives. But today I want to speak about a different kind of rumor, a far more important rumor, a far more serious rumor that we find in our world today. And this rumor comes back to me from a story that I remember hearing from World War II. It was in Berlin. It was in the bunker of Hitler shortly after the Allied armies had come into Berlin and had made their way in. The, Bunker was exactly as Hitler had left it after he had poisoned Eva Braun and then killed himself. In the advanced troops that came in, amongst them was an American chaplain who was being showed around the bunker. He was joined by another chaplain who happened to be a Russian Orthodox priest. They gazed in one room above a mantle, this larger than life-size portrait of Hitler in his uniform. And they looked at it for quite a while. The American chaplain, though, turned around and he saw shells on either side of this mantle where the picture hung. And there he picked up from the shelf a miniature head of the image of Christ. And he showed it to the Russian priest, who after a long pause, looked around again at the bunker, looked through the window at the devastation of Berlin, remembering what seven years of horror and war had meant to Europe, and looking back to this life-size, greater life-size picture of Hitler, turned to the American chaplain and said, this is what happens. When we are too big and God is too small. It is here that we clearly see the rumor about God. Indeed, the rumor about God in our society today is simply that God is dead. That God is no longer alive. That God is no longer well that God is no longer active, that God is far too small to make any a difference in the affairs of the world or our lives. Now, no doubt most of us have heard the rumor. We've heard it from neighbors. We've heard it from schoolmates. We have heard it at people who have told us at work. We have heard it within some of our own homes, although raised in faith, have turned their back on that upbringing, and even though they grew up with it, have denied it. Most of us remember our history at least well enough to recall that the advance of secularism began in the 18th century at the beginning of what they called the Enlightenment period, and it has relentlessly been reducing more and more of the events of the spiritual to just the secular. That the interpretation of the world has gone from a heavenly view to only an earthly view. And that the rumor 
about God is being increasingly believed. That the world has become more godless than it ever has before in its history. And yet it is interesting that in our scripture today, from our psalm, from Psalm 14, that King David 4,000 years ago said this is nothing new. And he said, only the fool will say in their heart, there is no God. Is the rumor true that people are becoming less godly? I think they are. Is the rumor true that our world is becoming less righteous? I think it is. Is the rumor true that God is dead? By all that I believe, I say no, it is not true. And yet our world acts as if the rumor is true. And what would lead so many to come to such a conclusion? Well, certainly two world wars have shattered our naive assumption that only a few prayers are enough needed for peace. The Jewish Holocaust, in which seven million people lost their lives, has created the greatest single loss of belief in God for Jews in the last century. For the prayers were made, and yet the gas chambers continued to be filled, and the concentration camps continued their torture, and people asked, where is God in the midst of our world? We prayed for our soldiers at war and so did the enemy, and yet each received the identical message at home. We are sorry to inform you of the death of your son in battle. And today we stand in the pall of war, international terrorism, hunger, starvation, and people cry out, where is God? The rumor is there, and many people have believed it. Where is God? And whose side is God on anyway? Some say he is a Republican. Others say, no, he's a Democrat. And I'm saying any respectable person probably wouldn't belong to either. <laughs> but would God? And yet, can we believe that America is any less moral or any more moral than any other country? As it stands, Africa will soon have more Christians in it than any other continent in the world. Do sheer numbers make a country more Christian than another or people more devout than another? If so, we are close to no longer being the greatest Christian nation in the world. Was the Germans' prayer in the foxhold less a prayer for life than the Americans' prayer in the foxhold as both held tightly the triggers of their guns? Whose side is God on? Where is God? Why does God seem absent at times? Where may God be found? Is the rumor true? Is God dead? What is the answer? David tells us in the Psalms, only the fool says in their heart, there is no God. But what do we say? How do we believe in a world of disbelief, cynicism, and incredulity? How do we 
respond to our own faith in a world so filled with everything except faith, with the rumor that God is dead. And the words haunt us from Psalms, only the fool has said in their heart, there is no God. And people have questions. Do you have questions? Good. For in the honesty of our doubts, we must ask the questions of our faith. For we hope to believe again, we, we hope to trust again, we hope to break through our doubts and believe as we have never believed before. And ultimately, the rumor about God is the only answer that you can give for yourself. You cannot give it for another person. You cannot give it for another situation. You cannot give it for another country. You can only ask the question of yourself. I remember a seminary professor I had in theology at Fuller Seminary who said this. He said, every morning when you wake up, before you reaffirm your faith in the majesty of a living God, before you say, I believe for another day, I want you to read the daily news in the front page of the newspaper. And if in the midst of the record of the latest crimes and tragedies of humanity, if you can then honestly say, I believe, then you certainly have faith. Now to many, to still be able to say, I believe in the wake of the morning news is to be the fool. To believe though every other person denies it is to be the greatest fool of all. And yet Jesus has called us to be followers of faith and if need be, to be called fools for Christ's sake in a world which doesn't see that the greatest foolishness is not believing in God, even though they think it is to believe in God is foolish. In life, we just can't, if we are honest, rid ourselves of the inconsistencies consistencies of living our lives as Christians. We, we can't rationalize, resolve, or evade the difficult questions that we have. Faith is not so easy that it answers every question, and yet faith needs to be there. Faith is not a seamless garment, but it's a ragged one and the seams are showing. Real faith is to believe even when everyone else has given up. It is to believe in the midst of the storm, of the tragedy, of the sorrow, to yet hold on to the truth of the simplicity of the hymn, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. It is to somehow find in the story of the Bible, the story of, of disbelief and sin and yet faith and righteousness, that this story somehow becomes our story. For in it are recorded all the problems, the heresies, the battles and the blessings, our own struggles to hold on to the faith once and all delivered to the saints. A story which has been told down through the centuries to all who have tried to walk faithfully and by faith to find God. It is the story of those for Christ's sake who yet became foolish to the world for him. And it is to follow Christ no matter what we might face in life and yet in that to find our way. Dr. M. Scott Peck in his book, The Road Less Traveled said this, he said, life is always difficult and it is full of pain as well as of joy. 
Yet it is in this whole process of meeting and solving problems that life has its meaning. Problems call forth our courage and our wisdom. It is only because of the problems that we grow mentally and spiritually. That is, no matter how bad things can be at times, God still is. And it is found in the likes of those such as Lutheran pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who in the late 1930s made his way from the advancing Nazi occupation of Europe and found safe haven in New York City. Safe, secure, and yet he made a decision that he would take a confessional stand for righteousness and against every word of advice given to him, went back into Nazi Germany and soon was arrested. Two days before the liberation of the concentration camp where he had been placed, by personal orders of Adolf Hitler, he was hung by the neck until dead. He died for the foolishness of his faith, which had compelled him to take a stand for righteousness. To be sure, he knew times of discouragement and doubt in the wretchedness of the living hell of that camp. But found in his belongings after the liberation of the camp were these words that he had written. Who am I? This or the other? Or am I both at once? A, a hypocrite before others and before myself, a completely woebegone weakling. Who am I? They mock me, these lonely questions of mine. But whoever I am, thou knowest, O God, that I am thine. For Bonhoeffer, in that moment, he faced death itself with the sure conviction that everything ultimately was in the hands of God. And as we gather together here today, ourselves with questions and doubts, with a sense that to believe is at times to appear the fool, yet more truly, we gather here with these questions because we are led to hope that we can believe again, to hold firmly and to yet trust God again. And we hear the rumor, but in faith we yet affirm that God's foolishness is greater than all of our highest wisdom, that the absurdity of faith finds its validation in our simplicity of believing that at the cross, the point of life at last becomes clear and that at the foot of that cross we can find what we most certainly believe that in this world by which we might live and that by which we might die. In the last century, Friedrich Nietzsche, a German moral philosopher and atheist, espoused the foundational ideas for a philosophy which we know today as the God is dead movement. Nurtured by such people as the late Madeleine Murray O'Hare, the prominent atheist. But is the rumor true? 
On a wall in a now forgotten city in Europe was seen the following graffiti, which said in bold letters, God is dead. And underneath it had been inscribed the name Nietzsche. But following that inscription on the wall, someone else had come. And whether it was a joke, it is a profound joke. For found written as the name of Nietzsche was crossed out were the words, Nietzsche is dead, God. <laughs> and I am reminded of the words that are no joke, found written on a cellar in a wall in Cologne, Germany where Jews hid from the Nazis and death during World War II. They say, I believe in the sun, even when it does not shine. I believe in love, even when feeling it not. I believe in God, even when he is silent. And for us, is it not to believe in God, no matter what the world or anyone else may say of us. May we so believe. May we pray. Eternal God, in a world of faithlessness, we strive to live our faith. We have not all the answers. Perhaps we don't even know all the questions. But this we know that ultimately, O oh God, our lives, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer, can only be found in you. And so in the foolishness of this gospel, might we find the center of our lives, the foundation of our souls, and the hope of our futures. That having stood by faith in the midst of the rumor that God is dead, we may still find faith to believe hope to go on, and love to share. That this, O oh God of all things, is true. That you live, and you live within us. And this we pray in the name of him who walked this earth, taught your love, crucified and yet risen, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May I invite you to stand as we join together in our closing hymn, in our black hymnal, number 2158, Just a Closer Walk with Thee.
as you receive our choral benediction. God be with you till we be. one another's hands, may you be reminded of the promise of Scripture that God will never leave us nor forsake us. So as we go forth this day, may we continue to hold fast to the hand of the one who holds ours, to bring forth the light and the love and the grace of God through Christ this day. May we now go to serve in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. 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 Amen.